It's Wednesday in the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We've got a new guest coming in. You've heard her a lot in Pittsburgh, Shelby Cassessi from 93.7 The Fan, WPXI. She's there. She's everywhere. We're going to talk about the Steelers. Mike Tomlin addressed a few things. One, Broderick Jones being named the starter. What does that mean for the future of the offensive line? George Pickens and his complaints. Mike Tomlin having a very interesting response to that. And what is the Steelers' path forward? We'll look at the games that they need to win to make the playoffs. All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. This is the Post-Gazette Show. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show in your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of the daily content that comes out from Post-Gazette Sports as well as the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. And as always, we're brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. It's my favorite place to go. It's right on the North Shore on Federal Street, across the street from PNC Park. You go there. They have over 20 televisions to watch whatever game you want in sports, and they have over 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being local, 80 of those local beers being available on tap, and they switch them out every single week, so there's new options all the time. More on Mike's Beer Bar later and how amazing they are. But as I said before, we're joined by Shelby Cassessi. I was on with the final word with Shelby on this Sunday for her debut, but if you've been around the Pittsburgh scene, you've been hearing her voice in 93.7 The Fan, you've seen her make appearances, holding microphones and asking questions for Channel 11. So Shelby, we, we are so happy to get you on the show. How have you been? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. Glad to be with you twice in one week now. So this is a big week for me. <laughs> oh, please. It's a big week for me. Let's get <laughs> let's get into a few things, though, because the Steelers updated their depth chart this past week. One Joey Porter Jr. was made a starter. That was more so we kind of all saw that coming. But the one that was kind of like the thing that everyone was waiting for this shoe to drop was where would Broderick Jones be? And he was made a starter with an or designation with for at the right tackle position. Now, for those who might be uneducated as far as how to read depth charts, because that is a very peculiar thing. If there is an or there, usually the first person that's, that's listed there does mean that they're probably the guy that's in lead to be the starter, but they are very interchangeable with the other person. But Shelby, this was a big shift for the Steelers because a lot of people projected when Broderick Jones was picked and traded up to be gotten in the first round, he was picked to be a left tackle where mm. Dan Moore Jr. Is, is is slotted. Dan Moore Jr. hasn't lost his spot. It's Chooks for. Do you see this as something that could be good and advantageous for the Steelers? Or do you think this is more so just they're just biding their time until eventually they move Broderick Jones to left tackle? Well, I think it's advantageous for Broderick Jones. I mean, I think he said what after perhaps the last game that Mike Tomlin could put him at quarterback and he'd be fine with it. Whatever Mike Tomlin <laughs> wants him to do, he's going to do. And I thought that was, you know, for us, I know we're going to talk about George Pickens a little bit later. And, mm -hmm. you know, we see a lot of players out there that really just want to, you know, do their own thing, do what they do and um, are a little bit inflexible from time to time, but not Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones seems to type, be the type of guy that just wants to help out in whatever way, just wants to get on the field in whatever way he can. And so, there are a lot of guys, and, and Dan Moore was one of the ones that Mike Tomlin referenced today. There are guys that can play left tackle, but they can't go on the right side and vice versa. And if Broderick Jones seems to be the type of guy that can do both, I think that could only be good 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers because it can be interchangeable. If uh, Dan Moore Jr. isn't playing well for just, you know, to use the line for this year, for example, if he's not playing mm-hmm. well, Broderick Jones is your left tackle. And if Chuk Sikorafor is acting up at the end of games, like Mike Tomlin referenced today, he said that was what uh, played a large role in why Chukes got benched the last mm-hmm. game. Then he's over there on right tackle. I think this is a really good opportunity for Broderick Jones to see where he fits really well. And then maybe eventually he will find that spot that's a bit more um, familiar, a bit more comfortable for him and go from there. But right now, if you have a guy that can do well on both sides of the offensive line, that can only be a good thing. And, you know, he's your first round pick that you traded up for. So if he can be versatile and do either, that's better off for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin always likes to say, I like guys who can do multiples. And I'm like, that's yes. not the, that's not the word, Mike. That's like, a, <laughs> that's, but, the, that's his word though. <laughs> that's, that's his word. It's one of his Tomlinisms. Uh, but I, I agree. This is only a good thing that, that Broderick Jones has flexibility right now. And it is the Chooks core four thing is interesting. We still don't know it what is. Chooks did per se. I did point this out when you, cause I missed this live during the Rams game, but at the end of the Rams game, if you look on the all 22 there, you can see after Kenny Pickett's final, final quarterback sneak, there was a play where, where there was a moment where Broderick, uh, excuse me, uh, Chooks Okorafor was kind of tussling with a Rams defensive lineman and they were going back and forth. Najee oh. Harris had to break it up to, and even like kind of stop Chooks from going back at the guy and told him to go to walk away. And if, there's a penalty called there that could jeopardize everything. And what was right. a game winning play for the, for the, for the Steelers. And so my look at this is, I don't know what Chooks for did to get in the doghouse with Mike Tomlin, but clearly this is a, I, I think this is an accumulation of things that they've looked at here. Plus he hasn't been playing that well. He was getting his butt kicked yeah. uh, in the Jaguars game a lot. I thought, uh, so it was a, it was compounding upon a lot of things here. So to your point, if Chooks for is a problem and Broderick Jones can be an answer. Great. But if Dan Moore Jr. is either a bigger problem or gets hurt, he can be an answer over there. And I thought it was very interesting because of that. My, your point that you brought up, Mike Tomlin, when asked if Dan Moore Jr. could be better at right tackle, he specifically said, no, he is significant yeah, right. better at left tackle. And I'm like, man, like, because frankly, Dan Moore Jr. has moments at left tackle, but he also has b- bad moments at left. Mm-hmm. Tackle. And if he's worse at right tackle. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Right, like been wondering for years, why can't he move to right tackle? Chooks could be more of a left tackle because of his size, and he's more of a pass protector than a run blocker. And clearly, it's a Dan Moore Jr. thing. So maybe that has played a bigger role in Broderick Jones becoming a starter than we've realized. Yeah, and you know, you talked about Chooks being in the Mike Tomlin doghouse. One thing I learned about covering this team over the last handful of years is one place you don't want to be is Mike Tomlin's doghouse because it is a very difficult place to get out of from time to time. Um, and I think Dan Moore might have been in the doghouse a couple of camps ago, and he eventually worked his way out. But I'm I'm curious, too, just because I'm it's so hard to know without being in there. But just sort of the way Mike Tomlin evaluates these guys and where he kind of lets them in and, and might lead to some things might lead to more punitive measures like we're seeing with Chooks. But he had a very open opportunity to move Broderick Jones into that starting role at left tackle when Dan Moore was hurt for a couple of games. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as a head coach, you know, it's tough. You, you have this 
first round draft pick who's eventually going to take over in some regard, but you don't want to move the veteran out when he hasn't technically lost his job. And, and there was your window, like there was your window because right he always says one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that was the window for him to kind of do that without having to, you know, answer for a whole lot. And he never ended up doing it. But now you look at for and he had apparently zero tolerance for any type of activity after the game where, you know, he's a veteran. I'm, I'm assuming this is what he's thinking. You're a veteran. You should know better than that. We're done here. And perhaps his performance is weighing a lot in that decision as well. But it's just very interesting to see how Mike Tomlin weighs these two sides of the offensive line. When to move, he's trying to find Roderick Jones a fit, obviously. And yeah. I think that's that's priority number one, perhaps, of the offensive line right now is seeing where he has a fit for the future. But it's just been an interesting way of handling for Mike Tomlin, I think, just kind of being on the outside looking in and knowing what we know about why he's made the decisions that he has and why he's made the decisions that he hasn't, like not moving Broderick Jones in there on left tackle when he had the opportunity. Yeah, I'm right with you because I was one of the people that I I didn't understand it. After the Ravens game where he played so well, I thought that was the the best collective game from the offensive Mm -hmm. line. I was like, okay, there's your chance. Broderick Jones is a starter. They bring Dan Moore Jr. Now against the Rams, Dan Moore plays well Mm -hmm. and everything's fine. I'm like, okay, maybe they see something I don't. But then then you play see the Jaguars game and the offensive line is just cooked to shreds. And I'm just like, man, what what, maybe maybe they should be putting him in. And now he's back in there and – I'm, you're seeing a difference. Now, I think some people have pointed this out, and I think this is not a bad – I don't think this is too wild of a speculation here, that you can kind of be pushy with veterans when there's a first-round pick right behind them and kind of pick with mm-hmm. uh, Chuk for about his tenor or his actions, whereas we've seen Mike Tomlin's stomach – so some wild things before with the, Pitts, <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we'll get to the George Pickens situation. I don't think it's nearly as bad as people have made it out to be, but we've seen him tolerate that. But one thing I always remind myself is that there was there was a time I was watching a Fox broadcast. And I remember Jimmy Johnson, great NFL head coach, Super Bowl champion, and, and a guy brought up to him. He was like, you know, Jimmy, you, you you did it right. You coached right. You treated everybody the same. You treated Emmett Smith like every other guy in the locker room. And Jimmy Johnson's like, no, I didn't. Emmett. <laughs> I treated Emmett Smith like he was a superstar running back. Yes. I did not treat everybody the same because sometimes you got to know how to manage people. And I think that's the challenge here that Mike Tomlin is facing is how he want how he does he manage this group and figure out how to get them to answer for their for their failures or for their, their mistakes, but also find a way to get the best out of them while also balancing that with the other talent on the roster. And that's one of the things that I think that if there's a thing that he's best at, that might be it in the NFL. I think that's a really good point because at the end of the day, we're all different. Every single person mm-hmm. on that roster is different. And as a coach, you sort of have to know how to tap into what those differences are to get performance success. I mean, you and I, if we're both struggling at our jobs, perhaps, you know, you might respond really well to a boss saying one thing and I might not respond well to that. It's the exactly. same thing on the football field. Jukes Okorafor might respond really well to being benched in mm-hmm. uh, with the first round draft pick behind him. I think it is kind of surprising for most of us to see because we didn't expect that because, of course, we thought he was going to be over at left tackle. I believe leading into that game, Broderick Jones hadn't had almost any reps at right tackle mm-hmm. leading into that. So obviously right. that wasn't a part of the major plan for Mike Tomlin either. But maybe he sees that. Maybe Jukes Okorafor needs a wake-up call and he knows perhaps being in the doghouse for a little bit might get him to respond. 
for Dan Moore Jr. He was, like I said, he was in the doghouse a couple of years ago. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but you have to know as a coach what makes your players tick and what works and what doesn't. I think, you know, um, Antonio Brown has been mentioned quite a bit this week and in regards to George Pickens. And again, we'll talk about the fairness of those statements later, but you know, Mike Tomlin, I think in retrospect, we know how good of a job he probably did with Antonio Brown, given the circumstances, he knows how to tap into him. He knew how to tap into Ben Roethlisberger in a different way. Mike Tomlin's a good coach. And I think that's, you know, hard to dispute at this point, but he knows how to tap into those guys. And it's just going to depend on, you know, we, I think we kind of have to trust him in that regard in terms of handling mm-hmm. his players on what's going to be the best route to get the best out of them. I'm right with you there. I think the Steelers, they've trusted Mike Tomlin to do it a lot. Mike Tomlin had a very interesting response when we asked him about George Pickens and his frustrations. We'll talk about that on the other side of this first break here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post. Because that Chris Carter here with Shelby Cassessi of 93.7 and WPXI. But first, before we do anything else, we'll remind you this show is also sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. Again, go right down to Federal Street. And hey, if you're looking to watch a sporting event, an away Steelers game, a college football game, a college basketball game, because that's back on back in action, an away Pens game. Best place is Mike's Beer Bar. Why? You can call ahead right now and you can reserve a table with a TV. Again, they have over 20 televisions. And I've talked to Mike. He's gotten Duquesne basketball games on one of those TVs <laughs> set up for you to watch. So if you want to watch, no matter how crazy you think that game might be to find, they'll find a way to get it on a TV for you and you'll be able to watch that sport with all your friends uh, while you enjoy one of their one of their amazing beers because they have over 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area and 80 of those local beers are available on tap, and they're switching them in and out every single week so that there's new options. You'll never run out of great things to try, whether you like IPAs, pale ales, uh, stouts, Hefeweizens, whatever you like, Mike's Beer Bar is going to help you find. They also have amazing food like Steak on a Stone where they bring a, a your choice cut of steak to you, brought on a heated stone. Every piece that you cut off, you press into the stone, and you choose how well you want each bite of your steak done. It's an amazing experience. Go to Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh right now. Again, down in the North Shore on the Fellow Street, right across the street from PNC Park. When you get there, tell them Chris sent you. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Shelby Cassessi of 93.7 The Fan and WPXI. Shelby, let's get to the George Pickens talk. Now, yes. Ray and I addressed a little bit about this, just the speculation that was had over the weekend about Instagram and posts that he made and, you know, the obvious demeanor that he had on the sideline during Deontay Johnson's touchdown. So, we, you know, we're all familiar with that. But mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin was asked if George Pickens has expressed mm-hmm. frustrations so, to, to him. And I thought this was a very interesting quote. And maybe the quote of his Tuesday yeah, presser. It was. He says, he says, quote, he expresses his frustration all the time. He wants to be significant. He wants to be a reason why we're successful. I want guys who want the football. I want guys who want to be central to our success. That's a non-issue. And he compared it. He's like, it's like pebble in my shoe. I'm dealing with it. <laughs> and, and I thought that was a great answer for that situation. Yes. Because I, I also felt like, This is such a non-issue. Do you know how many wide receivers in the NFL say, I want the ball? Stephon Diggs says he wants the ball. It happens everywhere. You know, if Jamar Chase didn't have Joe Burrow right now, I'm pretty sure he'd be saying he wants the ball uh, a a lot here. And I thought this was a way, a great way to encapsulate this conversation that it started to just brew and brew on social media from fans. Not sure what an Instagram post means. and Does he even want to be with the Steelers anymore? This stuff happens all the time. And I think Mike Tom and he handles like, listen, 
I'm more I'll more than happily take that problem than, you know, maybe a guy not just kind of just backing off into the background because he's not getting targets. Yeah. Volunteers, not hostages. Right. Is always Mike exactly. Tomlin's thing. And I have to give credit to my girl, Ashley Leotis, for asking these questions because she asked that question. And then the immediate follow up was, OK, well, how do you coach a guy through that? And he's like, it's like breathing, I think, was Mike Tomlin's quote. He said something along those lines. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's easy. It's what I do. And it's not a big deal. So he really poo pooed the entire thing. And, and just a couple of quick questions. You know, I think there can be sort of two things true with this situation. I don't think George Pickens has handled himself well, but I think it's a young guy mistake. Yeah. I think he's learned in these last few days that you're what people are watching his body language, even when he doesn't think they are. People are reading perhaps deeper than they should into what he posts on social media. And that's okay to learn that lesson as long as he kind of takes it forward and learns from this and, you know, maybe just finds better ways to channel that frustration. Um, and I also think what can be true is that he has a point. I think mm -hmm. he should be targeted more. He should want the ball. And I like Mike Tomlin, I'm glad to see someone engaged enough in this process, competitive enough in this process to be frustrated at that. Um, you know, I think in the NFL, if you are not one of those guys, if you kind of sit back and say like, well, that's fine. I'm I'm fine with my role and, you know, it's no big deal. If you're trying to make your way toward being the top receiver on this football team, that's not the attitude to have. And so I think it's kind of a give or take here. I think George Pickens can handle himself a bit better. There is a PR aspect to all of this that he can mm -hmm. learn to handle a bit better. But I get it. I get that he wants the ball more and I'm glad that he does. No, I'm right with you on this. And I think part of what, and I, I, I talked about this on on my Twitter account um, on Tuesday afterwards because I saw a lot of people, you know, immediately because you know you know it's coming when a Steelers wide receiver is upset, someone will say, "Oh, here comes yeah. an AB problem." And and of course, and of course, bringing up Antonio Brown, the ghost of Antonio Brown, because he's been out of Pittsburgh since 2018. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's been five years since he's been here, and it's like he's still here all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the way they talk about him. But I, I put it this way: I think people have post-traumatic stress disorder on Antonio Brown, particularly. So it's entirely true. I, I mean, you see the way they're responding to any little thing. Antonio Brown. Like when Antonio Brown, before anyone knew that he had issues, he he, he called for the ball back, back in 2013 when the Steelers' yeah. offense was struggling. He said, "Throw me the doggone ball." He didn't say doggone; he said something else. And then all of a sudden, he became like a 1400 yard wide receiver because Ben Roethlisberger said, "Oh, wait a minute, he is that good. Let's mm -hmm. get him the football." And then that, that and that started the their career. But it wasn't that wasn't the problem with Antonio Brown. The problem came when he started like you know being a criminal and doing things doing <laughs> things away from the field that weren't great. And then kind of cutting cutting ties all the teams towards the end of his career. Mm -hmm. But that was not that was not what we were looking at here. That was a that was a problem early in the career. Because again, if if that's the case, Deontay Johnson's just as guilty because there were times he's been upset uh, with with Steelers quarterback player with his usage in the offense. Again, Stephon Diggs has has made has made noise about this. Amari Cooper has made noise about that. Like every receiver at some point, you're you, receiver is such a unique position where you can do everything right on your end. You can run a great route. You can get wide open. You can present yourself to the quarterback. You can study your playbook. And if the quarterback doesn't throw you the ball, it's like you did it for nothing. And when you do it so many times, if you're really good, you start to get frustrated because I'm doing everything I can. And 
all I need is a chance to, to help my team win. I think that is a fine energy to come from. But when people start digging into, you know, oh, is this Antonio Brown again? I think you're, you're going 12 steps before you have to even get there. Because And again, because I think another place where this comes from, Shelby, is – Oh, Mike Tomlin enables this kind of stuff. Yeah. If Mike Tomlin enables an NFL five-time All-Pro wide receiver to, to be on the Steelers roster for nine years, and if let's say George Pickens does become that, let's say he becomes Antonio Brown's full whole career, he's a superstar for the next decade or so, and then he fizzles out and goes somewhere else. I think most Steelers fans would take that problem personally. I think people would probably. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself. Um, you know, given what happened in the end with Antonio Brown during his tenure with the Steelers, of course, given all the problems that were caused, you know, obviously missing, um, missing, what was it? Missing practice leading up to walking out of practice leading up to, you know, mm -hmm. the last game where they had to qualify for the playoffs with the Bengals that they ended up losing, you know, all of that drama, just talking about football drama, I would take his on the field success still knowing the yeah. on the field drama that it caused, you know, just referencing stuff that happened within the confines of football, of course, because he was that productive. And when I look at the George Pickens situation and you're right, I think people do have a little PTSD. And when they look at Antonio Brown's tenure here, they feel it started with the, the complaints about not getting the ball and the bad body language on the sideline. And that's sort of what was the snowball effect that, that wound up in people's minds leading down the road that it went. So from that perspective, sure. If you want to draw those parallels, I guess, but it's unfair. You know, I, I can see, I can see why you would think that, but I think it's not fair to go all the way there because at the end of the day, George Pickens is also extremely talented, possibly if he can grow into this role, irreplaceably talented like Antonio Brown was. So if we can continue to get that out of him, if Mike Tomlin can get that out of him in a positive way, he's still young. He is still a guy that can be influenced and he is still a guy that is meshing into this offense. So he's still finding his role and really his role has already changed multiple times this season with Deontay Johnson being there throughout mm -hmm. camp and preseason. Then Deontay Johnson's not there. Now he's back. And obviously Kenny Pickett has found a really good partnership with him. Now a lot more people know to put doubles on George Pickens. So that's a little yep. bit different from maybe the start of the year. So he is still, I think there's some, a lot of frustration coming from a lot of different parts for him. Obviously the offense is, you know, not up to the standard that people want it to be, not the standard that the players themselves want it to be. Um, obviously his role has changed over even the last handful of weeks. And so there's a lot of moving parts, I think. And so there's probably frustration across the board, not to mention when we saw that bad body language, it was just a few minutes after he didn't get that second foot down in the end zone. I'm sure that didn't right. help the situation. Right. So I think instead of taking it as a black and white, here's a B two, there's a mm. lot more nuance to the situation and a lot more time left to make sure he stays on the right path and can help this team as much as he can. I agree entirely. That's the bottom line there is that, Let's let's let him actually grow. Let's let him actually yeah. become become who he's going to be before we assign a stereotype or we typecast him into being someone else that he's completely not. I think that's totally the fair approach here. What the Steelers need to do, but what do the Steelers need to do to make the playoffs? That's <laughs> what we'll discuss here on the other side of the break. Here, the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, Chris Carter and Shelby Cassetti breaking things down. But first. I want to remind you, this show is also brought to you by Savinas Kane and Gallucci. They're mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers with over 85 years of experience. You can call them right now for a free consultation. And again, that's Savinas 
Kane, and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. If you've ever had to buy tickets for an event, but you weren't comfortable because you weren't sure if what you're paying for would match the view in your seats, or if you weren't sure if there were extra hidden fees, GameTime takes away all those issues. How do they do that? Just download the GameTime app today, look up an event that you want to go to, look at the tickets you want to buy. You'll see the view from the seat that you're buying so that you know the view is what you want, and they put all the fees up front. That means no hidden fees. You're not going to be surprised with extra extra money tagged onto your price that you clicked on in the first place. And it's a simple process. You see the seat, you click the seat, you click it again to confirm the price. The tickets are yours. And this is great for when you have when you need a killer deal on a last minute ticket if you're running late to an event, or even if you, they have stick tickets up to an hour after that your event has started. So again. Go to game time right now. That's good for Steelers games, Penguins games, pit games, and concerts, comedy events, anything anything around you can get with game time. And they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time credits you 110% of the difference in those prices. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to their website, gametime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we're back here on the north shore drive podcast it's chris carter here with shelby cassessi from 90.7 the fan from wpxi you hear a lot okay shelby let's just talk some a broader on a broader scope here we've been okay. talking a lot of specifics about players let's take a step back and look at the rest of the Steelers schedule we'll break down the Packers game and matchups and stuff that with Brian on our Friday episode and we'll have our accuracy fan advantage on Saturday but I look at this game and I look at the rest of the season excuse me they're at five and three much better than the two and six point that they were last year yeah they have wow. nine games Right, like such such a better place. They're in second. <laughs> they're in second place in the AFC North. They're right in the. They're they're in the wild card. The playoffs were to start today. They they are in the playoffs. And I legitimately think, even with the contested AFC as it is, if they get to ten wins, that gets them in the playoffs. It would have gotten them in the playoffs last year, and I think that's what gets them in the playoffs this year. So you're looking for five wins in their last nine games here for this for the Steelers to pull off. So what we're going to do is we're going to go throughout throughout these games. I want us to pick out the four most winnable games okay. that, we, that we see left on their, on their schedule. So for the for the listeners and viewers at home, you got the, of course, this Sunday, you got the Packers at home. Then the next Sunday, 1 o'clock, you're on the road against the Browns. The next Sunday after that, you're on the road against the Bengals at 1 o'clock. Then they come back home for back-to-back games, Cardinals at 1 o'clock, and then I think it's Thursday night football against the Patriots at home. Then you go back on the road for a one o'clocker at, at the Colts, come back home for your final home game against the Bengals, 4.30, two days before Christmas. New Year's Eve, they play the Seahawks on the road. And then uh, on, and then January 7th, they finish the season at the Baltimore Ravens, finishing that out. So nine games right there. If you had to pick four games, Shelby, that you think are the, these are the games that they most likely will win and they absolutely must win, what are your four that you're looking at? Well, I'm going to take uh, the obvious one here, which is the home game against the Cardinals on December 3rd. One and eight Cardinals, um, obviously with a a boatload of problems. Um, So that's a must win and and I think a will win. You know what? 
I would typically think that Bill Belichick has a trick up his sleeve every now and again to still beat the Steelers, but I'm at a point in my, um, I guess, relationship with the Steelers where I will never <laughs> bet against them at home in prime time. So I'll take Good the point. Thursday night game with against New England because they have just they just don't lose in prime time at home. I just I don't remember the last time I saw it. I'm sure it was probably more recently than I think it is, but. I just always feel confident going into those games just because the atmosphere is, is yeah. just, it's up, it's elevated. They're elevated for it. And it just always seems to be one that they win. Um, I think they end up splitting with the Bengals. And so I think they're going to hit their hot point. The Bengals are going to be hot by the end of the year, just because they're the Bengals. And I think they're they going to really hit their stride. So I think the one on the one before Christmas will be, you know, a gift from the Grinch for Steelers fans. But I think that one that they could actually go into Cincinnati and win on um, November 26th. So I think they'll split with the Bengals. I think the Bengals will be too hot by the end of the year to win that game. And so I think the one um, against them at on the road is not only winnable, but probably a must win. I think you probably have to split with the Bengals at some point, especially if you're going to lose one of these other divisional games. Um, so that's, that's three. And they, they have to win another divisional game in here. It's gotta be, Oh gosh. Could they beat the Ravens twice this year? You never know in these AFC North games. They they have they whatever it is Lamar Jackson you see the Lions couldn't stop him the Seahawks couldn't stop him I know. He's, he's never done that to the Steelers even in a game where they had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges yeah it took a it took a Juju Smith Schuster fumble in overtime for them to win that game and so uh, to this day I believe that is the only time Lamar Jackson has beaten the Steelers in a start for uh, for for the Ravens so I, I don't put it out of the realm of possibility here. I look at these games like this, like you're, you're you're breaking things down. Absolutely. The Cardinals and Patriots, to me, you're at home. You got to win those games. Yeah. The Packers this upcoming weekend. The Packers are not yeah. a good team right now. Right. You got to beat them. If you beat the Colts on the road, that's right there. That's your, those are four wins. Yeah. Those are, that, that puts you right there at nine wins. And so now you're talking about if you handle your business on those four games, you got the Browns and the Bengals on the road. The Bengals again back at home. The Seahawks on the road. The Seahawks don't look like a good team to me right now, but that place is tough yeah. to play in. We've seen that a million it's times. It's hard. I mean, this uh, like the Steelers play really well at home in primetime. The Steelers don't often play well on the West Coast. Absolutely. When when they beat the Rams, it was like an anomaly. Yeah, we were like, right. where did that come from? Um, but uh, but but you know, you're absolutely right. So you, you, if we, if we look at it, I'm going to, I'm going to take off the board. Let's, let's, let's say they win the Packers, the Cardinals, the Patriots and the Colts games. Let's say those four games they win. That means in, in my opinion, if they win one of these five games at the Browns, at the Bengals, at home against the Bengals, at the Seahawks or at the Ravens, to me, that would make them a 10 win team. And that would at least get them in the wild card round of the playoffs do you see it that way? Or do you think that they have to do a lot more based on what you see around the AFC right now? Well, I think just because the AFC North is so tight, I think they're going to have to take a number of divisional games. It mm. might not have to be all of them, but this is just going to be one of those cases where I feel like the AFC North is going to consistently win week after week. And it's going to be that team that loses maybe, you know, three more games to end the year 
that falls out. I mean, I saw um I saw a thing on TV a couple of days ago. I actually it was last night and it was a the a sports show with you know the sound off with the banner said could all four AFC North teams make the postseason? That that's truly a yeah. possibility right now. I, I mean, I think that it will play out not to be that way, but these teams are all, I won't say really good, but really competitive. And that's going to just lead to all these heightened stakes for these divisional games. And so I think you're a hundred percent on pace to say Packers, th- these non-divisional games, Packers, Cardinals, Patriots and Colts, those are all extremely winnable and games that they should win. But I can't help but feel like you also have to take a few of these divisional games to make sure that you are firmly in there. I think you at least have to, you have to beat the Bengals at least once and you have to sweep one of the other teams. So a win against the Bengals and either beat the Browns again or beat the Ravens again. And I think it's in a much better position, but this AFC North is just so competitive that it's going to probably take some extra oomph from these divisional games to get into the postseason. I hear you on that. I hear that entirely. If we were to look at things right now, so let's say, let's say they do that. They they sweep either the Browns or the Ravens. So that's 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 six wins. They get the four wins we're talking about with the with the non-divisional games. That's that's 10 wins. And then you said, and then taking one from the Bengals, that gives them 11 wins right now. Mm-hmm. That definitely secures them in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. it's I don't think it's been since the pay, the Patriots going eleven and five, the Steelers the, the year the Steelers won the Super Bowl in two thousand eight. That's the last time I, I think I remember an eleven team eleven win team missing the playoffs, and that that's extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, part of it's also making sure that you're that you're getting ahead of the division. The Steelers division has done them no favors. Uh, you know, during their yeah. bye week, the the entire division won this past week. The Steelers get a win on Thursday. You think, okay, we can just sit back and watch at least somebody lose. Nobody loses, and so the Steelers, while right. they've been they've been keeping pace with the Ravens, they're they're a game and a half behind them, but. The Bengals and, and and the Browns have been right on their tails, and you know it's fine that they're you know they're they're all four in the playoffs, but you know we know that the Bills are out there at five and four, right? The the, the Texans with C.J. Stroud, they're four and four. We don't know who they could be. They could turn out to be a problem. The Steelers found out they were a problem yes. <laughs> earlier this season. The Chargers, the and the Jets, I think those are teams that I don't have too much confidence in. No. But between the the Bills, the Texans, the the Bengals the, and the and the Browns, those are the teams that I think the, the Steelers are in most contention for for wild card spot. But like you said, if the Steelers win at least two more divisional games, the four and, and the four games we're talking about, that makes them an eleven win team. I think that would guarantee them doing math here in my head real quick at least four wins in the division. Mm-hmm. That that should I think that should make sure they'll have a tiebreaker if they do that against the Ravens or the Browns. Especially if they do it against the Browns, they have a tiebreaker over the Browns and eleven wins. I have a hard time seeing that 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 Browns team get to twelve wins. So if you sweep the Browns right. and you get to eleven wins, they're behind you. I just I don't think that that's that that they're going to have a path forward that way. So I'm right with you. Two divisional two divisional wins, whether it's sweeping and and, and getting one from the Bengals. Um, sweep and sweeping either the Browns or the Ravens and winning those four games we talked about, including the Packers game this weekend um, and including the uh, the upcoming Patriots game, the Colts game and the Cardinals games. That's the Steelers ticket to the playoffs. Yeah, I think so, too. And what what doesn't help their case, I think, in this is, you know, some of those other um, teams in the conference that you mentioned, there's no head to head 
to compare. There's no, you know, they don't, yeah. they don't play a lot. Most of the, those teams you mentioned, except for Houston, which of course had to head the Steelers lost that game. So, you know, when it comes down to these, you know, seedings and tiebreakers and who's in and out, the Steelers don't have the opportunity to go play these guys. Now, actually that, you know, that could be a, a bad thing or a good thing, depending on how you look at it. It could be a good thing if you think the Steelers wouldn't beat these teams, but also, you know, that's why these, these non-conference games are still going to be such a big deal is because you don't have these opportunities to go head to head with the Buffaloes. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so on the jets, but um, you know, but uh, Indianapolis, uh, these, Chargers, you know, there's not a lot of that left now. So you really need to make the most of these games. You have to get as many wins as you possibly can because yeah. there's not going to be any way, any way to break a tie head to head. So it's going to come down to how well they can do, especially on the road to end the season and how well they can do against these teams that they should be beating. Absolutely. She's Shelby Cassette. You can listen to our 93.7 The Fan or watch her on WPXI. Shelby, is there anything you're working on that we should keep an eye out for? Well, actually, yeah, today I stopped by the Southside facility for the Steelers after practice. Kenny Pickett was there as part of a foundation he's working with, and he provided a very, very wonderful surprise to a young Steelers fan. So that's going to be coming up on WPXI this week. Absolutely. Check that out at Channel 11 WPXI here in Pittsburgh. She's Shelby Cassessi. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us here in the North Shore Drive podcast. We will be more than happy to have you back very soon right on the show. I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com. Then you can find all of the daily content that comes out from this channel at Post-Gazette Sports, whether it's on YouTube or on your on your favorite podcasting app. And remember, the North Shore Drive podcast, we come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and sometimes Saturday with the Acrisure Fan Advantage where we break down the Steelers' upcoming opponent. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back Friday with Brian Batko when we go off to, Brian, to, to Mike's Beer Bar to do our final show of the week. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.